Praise the Lord. Um, so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. We're going to continue talking about grace um, because grace is awesome. And, um, you know, one of the amazing things that I have been, as I've kind of gone down this journey, and I spent a lot of time really learning about and researching grace, and it was really one of the main topics in my life, in my Christianity, that really transformed the way that I think about God, the way that I relate to God, the way that I think about serving in the kingdom, the way that I feel about ministry, the way that I feel about people. Really, it was this one centralized topic that so intensely changed the way that I viewed things. Because so often in Christianity, there is this one concept that is absolutely prevalent, and and actually not just Christianity, let me not say it that way, in the world, in the minds of human beings, there is this one concept that is so contrary to grace, and that's performance. And I don't care who you are, you know, what color you are, what gender you are, what era you are from performance is one of those things that wants to plague us all. And by performance, what I mean by that is, is this desire to do more or to be better. Okay. Which to most people sounds awesome, right? Like who doesn't want to do more and be better, right? I mean, like that sounds like, yes, I want to go to that course that teaches me how to do more and be better. But the problem is, is that in Christianity, the, the, the concepts are so amazingly different. And a lot of the time what happens to us is, is that we bring this performance-driven mindset into Christianity and it's not, not long before most people at some point or time in their life, they feel burnt out because they're trying to somehow always be better or appear better in order for God to love them more, okay? If you haven't had that thought before, raise your hand because you need to pray for all of us right now. We'll stop the service for you and you can pray for us. Because the reality is, is it's human nature to always want to be better, right? Whether you played in sports or you danced or, you know, whether it was school and tests, the desire is always to be better so that people will like us more, so that we'll get more attention, so that whatever it is, I want to be more muscular so that more girls like me or, you know, I want to be skinnier so more guys like me or whatever the thing is, is that that concept perpetuates into Christianity and we feel as though God loves better people better than he loves worse people. And when we go and step into this faith concept, a lot of the times what happens to us, because we know the scripture says that when God comes back, he's looking for one thing. Okay, what's that one thing? Okay, what's that one thing? In unison, what's that one thing? God is coming back looking for faith. And so a lot of the times what happens to us is we so desperately try to be better at faith. Okay? For example, this is happening in my own life. I used this example last week. I'm getting ready to get married. Woo for me. 31 years old. It's my time, people. It's my time. And I was talking about this concept last week is that, you know, as I'm getting ready to get married, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm going from, you know, being under the head of a household to being the head of a household. And so financially, there are certain obligations and responsibilities that are in whatever it is, 93 days from now, going to rest heavily upon my shoulders. And, and as a result of that, from the very beginning of this year, um, well, maybe not the beginning, but very close to the beginning of this year, I really intensely went after getting a revelation of finances. 
Because I know that the Bible says what? God will supply how many? All of my needs, right? God, his desire is, is that we would be, uh, that, that he says that he's given us all things to richly enjoy, right? And so I'm going after it. I've got confessions and I've got scriptures and I've got, you know, I'm confessing and scripturing and I'm confessing and I'm, you know, praying and I'm doing all of those things. And what do I do is I find that 60 days after I was doing my confessions, I was more afraid and more aware of what I didn't have than all that God wanted to supply for me. This is the reality. Because what happened was, you know, this is the one thing that I, that I find so difficult about the faith process, and it's that in order for God to show us where he wants us to go, we become very, very aware of where we are. Because one of the things I have in my notes is that when we try to separate God from our God dream, the result is fear. When we try to separate God from the God dream that God has put on the inside of our hearts, or maybe just the blessing. The result is fear. And I thought that I could, you know, do the principles and do the things, but the result of it was fear began to become aware of my life. Daniel would say to me all the time, like, you know, you've never been like this before. Why are you talking about money so often, right? I think my favorite thing to say was, well, how much does it cost? You know, yeah, we could totally do it. How much does it cost, right? Because I became so aware of money and in my pursuit of discovering that God is my provider, I was confronted with the fact that I didn't have enough. And I think that, you know, as, I, as I've kind of gone through this journey, I think that it's one of those things that happens to most people and most Christians, is that most people go down a road and they begin to, uh, they begin to you know, develop the, their faith and they begin to go down those things. And, and as they do, they become more and more aware of the present situations that they find themselves in. And, and the result of seeing the present situations that they find themselves in, they realize the intensity of their vulnerability. And when I see the intensity of my vulnerability, in order for me to, uh, to kind of protect myself from that intense vulnerability, is I begin to look more at myself, to try and find the strength in me in order to, to, uh, to come against that vulnerability. But the problem is, is that the more that I look to myself in order to shield myself from that vulnerability is I discover a greater level of vulnerability. And most people, myself included, end up spiraling down a hole to the place where what I intended to be good turned into tragedy. What I intended to be this moment of freedom where I discovered that God is my provider ended up me so intensely focused on the depth of my vulnerability and, you know, maybe I'm going to fail. Maybe I'm not going to have enough. Maybe I won't be able to pay for my wedding and going down the line and, and, and deeper, deeper down into this hole, right? I discovered intensely that I could never be that thing. Like I said, you could never get to your God dream without God. As we try to do that, all that we'll be left in is fear. And, and so as I did that, right, I, I began to go to the Lord and saying, Lord, okay, I know that something is, I know that something is up here. I know that something is wrong. And, and, you know, I talked about that vision that the Lord showed me last week with Jesus standing there and he wrote, you know, his name on the chalkboard, right? And it was, I, it was this epiphany moment. It wasn't that exact moment, but this epiphany moment that I was missing something or better to say I was missing someone, that I was trying to use concepts and principles in order to take the place of what Jesus did. 
and the relationship between me and Heavenly Father, me and Jesus, me and Holy Spirit. And it's that relationship that had the design in order to launch me into my destiny. So let's get back to Ephesians chapter two. It says this in the Amplified Translation. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his, greatness, of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and not that of yourselves, right? Which is what I was trying to do. I was trying to be saved I was trying to do those things in myself, but it's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, right? Not of performance, right? Nothing that I can do in order to put myself in that position, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that each of us should walk in them. And so as we talk about grace, ultimately what we're talking about is Jesus, Right, me and my mom were talking about that this afternoon, right? Talking about how, you know, the Holy Spirit, right? He's called the Spirit of Grace. And so I'm not trying to separate it doctrinally, right? I like talking about Jesus. She likes talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, so, you know, you just be you. You do you. So we're talking about Jesus. Sweet, sweet Jesus. And we all know Jesus and how important he is, right? We know that he's... He's ultimately this central figure in the scriptures, right? We know that from Genesis, the very beginning of the book, right? You know, there's this moment of perfection, which, you know, like a day maybe, lasts only momentarily. And then we find that the rest of the Old Testament is talking to us about Jesus, right? Then we meet Jesus, and then the rest of the New Testament is talking to us about the blessing that we can expect as a result of Jesus. And so he's this central figure that we talk about in the scriptures. And I believe the, the one of the most amazing things that Jesus did for us in scriptures is he teaches us how simple this life was meant to be. He came here and the Bible says that you know, in him was all of the law and the prophets fulfilled. But yet, in him, if you look at his life and his ministry, he took everything and, like my dad says, turned it into a children's story. You see, religion sometimes wants to tell us people, you know, denominations. They want to try to make us believe that this life is difficult. You know, and sometimes maybe even I've said this in the pulpit, you know, because, you know, you get really focused on this one particular thing, you know, and it's like, oh, you got to confess all day long. You know, I'm sure that I've said that before or something like that and, and made it into something so intense because this is like the one thing that God is really rocking in me. But the more and more that you walk down this journey, you realize that if I can just keep Jesus in the place that Jesus was designed to be, this life actually becomes easy. Because you see, every single battle that we think we're fighting, Jesus has already won that fight for us. That was weak. <laughs> Let's rerun and try that again. I said, every single battle. Listen, that means that, you know that battle that you're fighting right now, right? Who's got a battle in here? Come on, raise your hand. Who's fighting a battle? Let's see. Let's see. Who got their hands down? We know who the liars are. We can tell you, that's your battle. <laughs> Every single one of us is fighting a battle. 
But the good news is, is that if we can understand how to keep Jesus in his rightful place in our lives, that battle has already been won for each and every one of us. That means it doesn't matter how impossible the odds may seem, God has already done everything that we would need to do in order to succeed. That is the message of grace. The message of grace is it doesn't matter how bad you've been. Listen, I know sometimes religion makes us want to feel like, why God, where were you? No, wait a minute. God has already done everything he was going to do the moment that he went on the cross. God's desire for each and every person in here at every single moment, in every continent, every people group, that they would live every moment of their lives always and only good. If we can keep Jesus in this place in our lives. You see, the enemy sometimes wants to make us feel like, oh, the reason that you've got bad stuff going on in your lives is that God doesn't care, or the reason that you're experiencing these things is that God's forgotten about you, or, oh, you know, you've been too bad in order for God to help you. No, 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 none of those things are true. We read in the scripture that says there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that could possibly happen in your life that could separate him. But what the enemy so desperately tries to do is he tries to get us to take things into our own hands. Performance. He, he, he magnifies our weaknesses and minimizes Jesus' strengths. Doesn't he love to do that all the time in your life? Doesn't he? He tries to make you feel that somehow, you know, that thing that you did, you know, at No Frills, you know, when there was a card in there and, you know, you stuck a fake thing in there, you didn't put a quarter in there, and he makes you feel like, oh, God, like, my life is... Somehow, in comparison to the great sacrifice that Jesus... Yeah, if you don't know No Frills, you know, you have to put, like, a loony in there, and you take... It's not a loony? It's a loony. Yeah, it's a loony. But you see, the enemy loves to do that to us. He loves to make us feel that somehow our life depends on us. He tries to get us to carry the weight of our success on our shoulders. He tries to point out to you all the areas of your life that you fall short and that's why God could never help you. He tries to make us feel that unless we live life and do everything perfectly, that God can't intervene. I don't know the story. I don't, I don't know what the lie is. Any lie that tries to separate you from the love of God, we realize that all he's trying to do is get me into performance. He's trying to tell me that if I could just be better, then God would do more, love me more, care about me more, care about my family more. He tries to get us to take our lives into our own hands. And so as we talk about grace, what happened to me in my own life is that I focused so much on the doing that I forgot that this life is about a relationship. We could say a lot there. You can just sit there for and stew there. 
Because you see, so many of us, we, especially in our culture, we're so forward-thinking that we're always looking for like the next thing to do in order to be more successful, right? Aren't you like that? I mean, I'm like that. You know, like we read blogs and, you know, articles and, you know, I'm like trying to get a little bit more, you know, muscular now. And so I'm like constantly looking for like the next tip that's going to somehow they're going to discover that's going to like, ooh, 10 pounds of muscle overnight, right? There's no, there's no tip. If you get that in your inbox, it's a lie, okay? But we're always doing that. We're always looking for something to make it better or make it faster. And, and I think sometimes that concept comes into Christianity is we want the one, two, three, four, five, the A, B, C, D, E, and just do these things and, and everything is going to be good. And although those things do exist, don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here preaching that we just get to sit back and do nothing. That's not what I'm saying. Listen to my dad's message on faith. I'm teaching the other side here. You go watch him talk about his little graph there, right? And you'll understand that there are things that we have to do in response to what God has done. But you see, we can never expect to separate Jesus from the works that we do. Okay, the Bible says it like this, that works alone are what? Dead. It says faith with, oh wait, no, is that what it says? No, works of, what? Anyways, yeah, I forget. Shoot, I was getting a great flow there and now I forget the scripture. Anyways, we understand that what happens to us, my point in the scripture being, that we try to separate the things that we do. We try to make it all about the one, two, three, A, B, C, and we forget the fact that the main focus of what actually gets things to move forward is that we allow Jesus to begin to get involved personally in our lives. And you know, sometimes I find that it's so difficult. You know, that scripture that talks about, where the scripture that says, blessed are you because you, you haven't seen. Right? And I think to myself, like, oh, how can that possibly be? Like, wouldn't it have been so much easier, right, in order to see Jesus to have a relationship with him? Because I think that's where most people struggle. You know, one of the main questions that people ask me about all the time when it comes to, to really their Christianity in general has to do with relationship with God. You know, I'm sure that all of you have had those questions. You know, how do I hear the voice of the Lord? But, or how do I, like, experience the presence of God? Right? How do you know that he's in the room with you right now? And, and I think that that concept sometimes is such a, uh, what's the, it's so personal. You know, it's like somebody saying that, you know, well, this is how you hear the voice of the Lord, but I can only tell you how I hear the voice of the Lord. And it's something that's so personal. It's so not one, two, three, A, B, C, that sometimes in our lives, it's the one thing that we never dedicate a lot of time to go after. And so the problem with that is, is that we end up living our life solely based off of ourselves and the things that we can do. Because you see, grace is all about relationship. The scripture that we read right here in Ephesians chapter 2, right, it says this, is that uh, for, for grace we are saved through faith. For grace we're saved through faith. So we understand that grace and faith, they go together. They go together. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. The Lord is really doing something here. And so I keep coming to the same point. We just welcome your presence, Holy Spirit, right now. Lord, we're just declaring, Father, whatever it is that you're doing in our hearts, Lord, we welcome, we welcome what you're doing. This is really cool. I'm like not used to this, but I like it. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit, right now, just to come in and maybe it's changed the way that we think about things. I think that's what he's trying to do tonight is he wants to change mindsets about the way that we think about these things. So just lift your hands to the Lord right now. 
Lord, we just, we just, and we invite you into our minds right now, Father, to change the way that we think. Where there are, there are old religious mindsets that make us feel like it's all about doing. It's all about doing. Where relationship, yeah, it's nice, and it's nice to dance around, but it's all about doing. Lord, you desire relationship, right? You desire relationship with us over obedience, over sacrifice. You desire our relationship, that day-to-day thing with us so much more than the things that we can do. And so we welcome that right now, Holy, Holy Spirit, that you would come and transform our mind in Jesus' name. We may stop a couple of times because we're doing something and it's cool. I know, last time I was freaked out. Like I'm like, oh man, I was like a fool. But this time I'm feeling like, yo, this is, this is awesome. So anyways, so um, so like I said, that Christianity was meant to be about a relationship, okay? The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, I gotta read it because I'm gonna forget. Yes, he says this. This is like one of my favorite scriptures. But it's like I'm so hyped in the moment, I'm forgetting. He says that I want to know you. I wanna know you. You know, this was the Apostle Paul, right? Like this was the guy who was like the guy of guys. Okay, this was the guy who in the Bible, the scripture says, uh, like he says, I ran my race, I finished my course. Everything that God has asked me to do, like I was so tight with God that I literally did everything he asked me to do. And his, his heart's cry was, Jesus, I wanna know you. You know, I, I'm thinking that like, the heart's cry of this guy was not, Jesus, I want to know the keys to faith. I want to know the keys to living in the miraculous power of God all the time. No, his desire was, Lord Jesus, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and in the fellowship of your sufferings. I want to know you so deeply, intently, in every possible avenue and facet of your life, because I understand that the more that I know you, the more that I can get into you, the more that you will flow out of me. John chapter 15 says it so perfectly that when we are in him and he is in us, his words are in us, that's when we will what? Ask whatever we will, and it will be done for us by our Father that's in heaven. I think that so often we've so much focused on our part and the doing portion of it that we forget about the fact that Jesus is real and he actually desires that we would live lives with him. That the power of God comes not from some idea or some great thing that we know in our head, but the power of God comes as a result of us intimately and personally knowing Jesus. The scripture says it like this, when they see me, they'll be like me. When they see me, when they behold my beauty and my glory, then they will be like me. You see, we were created for relationship. Grace is all about relationship. It's all about the understanding that I need to know, like Paul said, I need to be so intimately acquainted with you, Jesus, because I know that the more that I know you, the more that I believe in you, the more that I will allow you to flow out of my life. 
You see, sometimes we try to minimize it to memorization of scriptures. But I tell you something, a letter will never give you the fullness of who Jesus is. You know, I could talk to Danielle or Jamie, right? They could write me letters, right, explaining to me their whole life and who they are. But how many of you know just spending five minutes with them will do so much more than thousands of words on a piece of paper? That's why Paul's desire was not that, oh, gee, Lord, my, my greatest desire, Jesus, is that I would read about you, which he did all the time, and I encourage you to do all the time. And he prayed in tongues all the time, which I encourage all of you to do all the time. But his greatest earthly desire was, Jesus, I just want to know you. I want to know you. You see, that's, I believe, what takes Christianity from sometimes being this stoic, lifeless social club. We've all felt that. You know, I gave that word to Tara. You know, God desires that we would burn so intensely in love with him. And I tell you something, as much as I love the Bible, I love it. I love to read the Bible. This could never produce that intensity on the inside of me, like even just a moment in his presence. I'm like at a time. <laughs> you know, so if that's you, I just feel the Lord on that. You know, maybe Terry, your angel, was a prophetic representation and demonstration to us of what the Lord is desiring to do to us in this season. You know, I heard Bill Johnson. Um, actually, I didn't hear him. <clears throat> I heard Jeremy Riddle say, he was talking about, uh, he was in a staff meeting with Bill Johnson. And he said, Bill Johnson made the statement and said, he was talking about the encounters that he's had with the Lord. He said, you know, he was talking about the encounter that he had with the Lord in um, the Toronto Revival and talking about the encounter that he had in his church. And he was recounting them and he made this statement and he said, and now I'm due for another. And <clears throat> maybe that's what you're doing. And so if that's you, no music playing. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Do your thing over there. <laughs> If that's you, I'm just going to invite you to stand. I'm not going to invite you up here. But if you'd say that, I, I'm due for another encounter. I mean, it's not you. You don't have to stand. No pressure. You see, the spirit of grace comes to give us life. 
This life was never meant to be dull or boring. The spirit of grace comes to make us feel. Comes to make things alive on the inside of us. 